Welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. Um, and today we are talking to a company which we think is actually incredibly interesting because of the two areas of uh, development it is uh, focusing on. It is a mining company, but then it is also much, much more than a mining company. And we have the CEO of Minova Corp are on the show today. Uh, it's Gord Glenn, all the way from Canada. So uh, welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast, Gord. Thanks, pleasure to be here and uh, have a chance to give you an update on what's going on at Minova Corp. To start off with, can you just give us a, a quick overview of, of Minova Corp? And then and then we can talk a little bit more about the um, your, your clean energy strategy? Yeah, certainly. Uh, Minova Corp uh, is listed on TSXV, uh, symbol MCI. We've been active in mining exploration and development for a little over 10 years. I've been involved with the company for a little over 10 years as well. Our primary project historically has been in the Flon mining camp in central Manitoba, Canada. We acquired and have been in the process of de-risking a past producing mine. It used to be called the Puffy Lake Mine. It uh, just renamed it, rebranded it uh, about six or seven years ago to be the PL Mine. That was a past producer, gold mine, sorry. Pretty typical small-scale development project or small-scale operation from the 80s. Sat idle and quite frankly, went into care maintenance and then disappeared into bankers' boxes for a better part of two decades. Uh, we acquired it in 2011 and started the process to really de-risk it. Lots of drilling, two PEAs, one feasibility study, continued to drill and demonstrate the expansion potential, the exploration potential of the project. Obviously, the, the feasibility study was positive. Uh, there's significant infrastructure uh, exi that exists on the site, so it has a relatively low capex from the feasibility study of about 35 million Canadian dollars. Uh, it's about a 50,000 ounce uh, per year annual uh, of annual production. Uh, again, typical high grade uh, narrow vein deposit in Canada, seven gram average grade and uh, about six, 700 tons per day of throughput and, and average cash costs from the feasibility study. Uh, C1 cash costs a little over 900 and uh, all in sustaining costs approximately 1050, 1100. Uh, so that's what we've been doing for the last uh, 10 or 11 years. And and as part of the development plan several years, well, four years ago, exactly 2018, I really saw an opportunity at that point in time, uh, and I was very early on, to incorporate some renewable energy options into the project. So I created the subsidiary company called Manova Renewable Energy. And it was really at that time, I didn't, I didn't completely understand what the scale of the potential renewable energy exposure could be, but I thought it would be important to incorporate it into the into the mine plan. So that's that's kind of where we're at today with the the mine development basically ready to go, although we can continue to explore and drill and we're you know, obviously going to pursue that. But then also uh, now that Minova Renewable Energy has sort of been kickstarted, we're going down that path and learning a lot of incredible opportunities that are way beyond what we ever envisioned initially uh, for just incorporating uh, renewable energy into the uh, PL mine plant. When you when you were looking initially at a clean energy strategy, were you thinking about it as as a means of providing um, sort of cheap or clean power 
for the actual mine itself? Or, or did you just suddenly think, actually, we've got the potential here to develop a, a sort of hydrogen strategy as well? No, I wish I did understand the potential of a green uh, energy strategy at that time. We would have been much further along, to be honest with you. At the time, it was really about... Um, uh, economic development. Uh, we are in an area of central Manitoba with a small community called Sheridan, a little bit to the north. Uh, there isn't a lot of economic development activity. There's a First Nations uh, reserve uh, an hour and a half north of us. Uh, we basically wanted to do something that we could incorporate the community, incorporate the First Nations into a partnership opportunity, not directly tied to the mining operation, because obviously the mine belongs 100% to Manova shareholders. But I wanted to do something that that kind of made sense, uh, both from an environmental point of view, from uh, the availability of the existing uh, resources and economic development. So as I told the, to the community, to First Nations, to you know basically everybody at that time, I don't know how big the operation will be. I don't know how exactly it would work out uh, in terms of being a biomass uh, operation. Uh, but I think it would be good for the mine. It would be good for the economic development of the area and really good from an ESG point of view from a, you know, becoming even more green, uh, if you will. So in, in many ways, uh, you know, as a management board and, and even shareholders, we were way ahead of the curve that you see today with the biggest companies in the world starting to very proactively incorporate you know renewable energy into their existing energy demand requirements and certainly new developments are also incorporating um, renewable energy sources uh, into their into their plan so we had the plan I didn't understand how big it could be and and that's where we are today so when we finally acquired the the power line from Manitoba hydro, and that was a, a sort of a, a long time in, in, in the works. I was trying to get the best price I could to incorporate that infrastructure and uh, you know, acquire it and then drop it down into Manova Renewable Energy as part of the, the infrastructure that would go forward with, um, with a small biomass uh, operation in the area of the mill. So we got that done in uh, November of last year. It cleaned up a bunch of things. It uh, addressed a lot of debt that was sitting on the balance sheet for 10 years plus with Manitoba Hydro. So our, our balance sheet accounts receivable, current liabilities dropped significantly. And then I started to uh, inquire with professionals about, okay, now I've got to actually look at biomass operations, biomass technology in more detail. I, I knew the basic uh, components of it. And when I went out and started soliciting uh, feedback, potential uh, new hires, I came across a group called Duma Engineering uh, and their technical personnel, uh, Mario Mantassi and Marco Sonessa, with a lot of experience in renewable energy, in biomass uh, operations, and uh, ultimately right through to hydrogen production. And the lights went on. So that was really in, in October, November of last year, I actually convinced Duma to to sort of join with Manova. So Manova has an agreement in place to acquire Duma. Uh, and then I hired uh, Mario and Marco. These are the first hires I've had in a very long time because to, to be quite blunt, I'm, I'm very excited about the opportunity that renewable energy, hydrogen, and all the 
the uh, ancillary development opportunities, green energy opportunities that this presents to Minova shareholders. So uh, I like their technology. I like the idea that uh, they were developing a proprietary technology uh, within Duma on the biomass side. They had incredible experience across the range of renewable energies. So we, we did that deal and we've just been working feverishly over the last two months, three months now to really advance these things. So it's quite a new endeavor. Uh, I've got great technical support, experienced technical support. And uh, quite frankly, the, the market conditions for these sorts of, uh, of initiatives is really quite, quite attractive, quite um, supportive of, uh, of what we're doing, certainly. So sorry for long-winded, but uh, so the transition started four years ago. Uh, and really just accelerated to the point where there's a lot of emphasis on what we're doing with Minova Renewable Energy while we you know, wait for the gold market to finally properly value the PL mine, uh, which it hasn't been doing uh, of, of late. Can you tell us a little bit more about Dumar Engineering and what it is that they, they bring to the table as, as part of this? Yeah, so again, incredible amounts of experience uh, across all the range of, uh, of renewable energy sector. Uh, and I guess with probably a little bit more emphasis on biomass, pyrolysis, gasification. So taking any biomass, whether it's a forest biomass product or an agricultural waste product, uh, uh, and basically through the biomass process, you're effectively burning it, but without oxygen, you're controlling the, the burn uh, and the gasification of that uh, of that uh, carbon bearing biomass and their their technology and I won't go into too many details because we're in the final stages of of uh, test work and then we start the patent process so suffice to say this is something that I wanted uh, Minova shareholders to be in to be exposed to as well so not only straight energy green energy production but also technology proprietary technology and research and development i think it's really important that the that they're paired together uh both mary and marco are are you know excellent engineers but also research oriented so that's actually uh, a big part of our platform with Minova Renewable Energy going forward. So back to the technology a little bit. Uh, so in that controlled environment, you're, you're processing uh, obviously a, a chunky substance. So there's, there's ways to manage that from an engineering point of view, fluidized beds. Uh, so they have some proprietary technologies to, to sort of manage that process of of uh, gasification to achieve a higher hydrogen content in the initial gasification process, uh, up to 55% hydrogen, which is typical, which is considerably higher than your typical ex existing biomass uh, operation, which would be in the 30 to 35% hydrogen range. So if you get a higher hydrogen content, then that goes to costs. Right, so now you can you can you know, purify that through again everything that we're talking about uh, at the back end of the process when you get to that high hydrogen content, call it a syngas, uh, which is also a saleable product. It just enables you to get to a final H2 product uh, at a little bit lower cost. You don't have to basically concentrate it up as much. So everything that we're doing is really about, you know, advancing the technology to reduce the costs. And this is a theme 
that's much broader than what we're doing with Duma, what we're doing with Manova Renewable Energy. I think if you if you um, learn more about the hydrogen sector, it is growing and is expected to grow and continue to grow at leaps and bounds. And a lot of that growth is is focused on scale and costs, so increasing scale and efficiency and decreasing costs. And uh, and that trend is well in place. And, and I I hope that. Minova Renewable Energy and Minova shareholders proper are going to be uh, exposed to, again, both the production side and the research and development side. One of the things I found interesting about the company is, I mean, I hold my hand up, not been to Canada yet, hope to go soon, but definitely not been to Manitoba. But I was really interested to learn about the potential market that you've got there, both on your on your front doorstep, but also further afield once you get um, this project up and running. Can can you provide uh, listeners with a little bit more detail on that as well? I think uh, I'll say globally there is a movement towards incorporating a future fuel hydrogen into the energy mix uh, to reduce carbon emissions obviously it's all about it's all about decarbonizing net zero by 2050 globally that trend is set in, in a in a very direct way through governments making you know signing off on cop 26 paris accord 2016 uh, and then also making pretty significant policy and fiscal commitments to that transition so and then as we sort of you know narrow narrow back into canada and manitoba specifically so it's very positive in manitoba so manitoba is all is already quite a green energy province manitoba hydro the primary um uh, energy provider, it's 98% hydropower. So it's already very green by by any standards, uh, probably uh, alongside Quebec uh, in terms of uh, overall carbon emissions relative to uh, productive uh, energy production. But they, like every province in Canada, are also seeking to reduce their carbon footprint more by incentivizing you know that transition from a fossil fuel which is the range of fossil fuels from gasoline diesel to uh, natural gas which would be more home heating type uh, type fuel to facilitate encourage and, and and incentivize that transition so that's at the provincial level they've made commitments to do that there's funding available to do that there's encouragement for research and development to do that um, and that's course at you know mirrored mirrored times about 10 at the federal level then it works down into the communities each community is also making these commitments to to decarbonize and to uh, almost solicit you know economic development proposals that are structured around or oriented towards projects that can decarbonize and in manitoba the key opportunity to decarbonize is in the transportation sector. So trucking, uh, which is huge, it's a big province. There's a lot of distance to cover. So whether it's uh, you know intermodal transportation or it's just uh, you know people driving from city to city, uh, there's a lot. There's an opportunity to do that. So the incentive is there. Unlike many other jurisdictions in the world, and I'll just and look, the whole world is is electrifying. And, and that includes electric vehicles, uh, but certain jurisdictions, just geography, seasonality, electric vehicles might not be the best choice. And when you have a climate where 
you know, three months of the year, you're, you're minus 10 to minus 40. You know, I'm in Flin Flon, uh, Manitoba right now, just a little bit south of the mine site, waiting to, to head up to the mine site uh, later today. Minus 40 outside right now, it'll warm up to minus 20. Battery electric vehicles don't perform uh, well in those sorts of temperatures, and it's just the way batteries work. Hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, they aren't exposed to, uh, to the negative impacts of cold weather. So fuel cell, hydrogen-based fuel cell technology makes a lot of sense in Manitoba. So that's, that's the opportunity for us. So, and then there's two opportunities. One is the biomass. The uh, province is, uh, has abundant uh, biomass, uh, forest biomass, agricultural biomass, uh, and then it also has green hydro uh, energy. So we're trying to de-risk the company initiative, but also expose our shareholders and investors to two distinct hydrogen development strategies, one with biomass, which would incorporate our proprietary technology, and one with very traditional, well-known electrolysis. So we've got two strategies. One's sort of more oriented towards the north. One's a bit more oriented towards the uh, to the south of the province. But the strategy is to ultimately be producing a hydrogen product into a, uh, a market that is to be developed, to be blunt, again, these there's, nobody produces hydrogen, sorry, green hydrogen in Manitoba. So that's our that's a, a, a market that is will be developed, it's incentivized and will be part of that. Can you tell us what the next steps are going to be for, for the strategy? I know you're not necessarily able to go into a lot of detail. Um, you've mentioned the patents already. What can investors expect in terms of progress on this over the course of the year? We're really at the uh, site selection stage. So we spent a month or so just doing internal. We've, we've obviously had communications with the logical governmental authorities with getting their feedback and, and understanding where, where they fit into the, to the new hydrogen economy. And then it was really back to the books, if you will, analyzing the available infrastructure in the province. Uh, so that's, again, feedstock is, is green electrons for electrolysis and uh, biomass availability, sustainable biomass availability for the biomass uh, strategy. So going through all of those, uh, are looking at those two key parameters, and then of course, market, and marketability of the product, which, which requires a logistics solution in some cases. So taking all that and sort of winnowing it down to preliminary site selection, and we're, we're at that point right now where we've got about four sites in Manitoba that we're now we're in the process of, of going to definitive site selection. So that this point, we're meeting with the communities, we're meeting with the feedstock providers uh, and we're meeting with industrial offtake partners or industrial offtake candidates to fine tune and start actually picking the sites to prioritize. And then we'll, then we'll go into basically a, a definitive study or a more detailed study to, you know, how do we plug in the, the known infrastructure at our end for whether it's biomass or, or electrolysis to actually integrate it into the existing uh, to the existing infrastructure and and 
and again, this is what what's very exciting for me, uh, and I hope for all our shareholders, is, is that what started off as a as, as honestly a a simple idea, you know, focused in and around the area of the PL mine, uh, became a provincial idea, and now we're also looking at the rest of Canada for every opportunity to incorporate biomass primarily into other jurisdictions in Canada. And then we're also in Europe with discussions on um, on site selection in Europe, and we're also down in Latin America. So this is a business opportunity that transcends borders. The world is is electrifying. Governments are incentivizing and strategizing to in, increase and improve their energy mix so they can reduce their carbon footprint, their carbon emissions. So this is a global uh, opportunity. Uh, so we're active in a bunch of different jurisdictions because, you know, as management and board, we have these experiences, uh, you know, internationally, uh, and we're taking advantage of that sort of mixing where we've been, what we know, who we know with this uh, green energy uh, strategy under Minova Renewable Energy. So in terms of what's the news going to be over the next two months, it's going to be, I hope that we're going to be able to get to, you know, MOUs, LOIs, working groups with with these different counterparties that we're, that we're dealing with as part of that step towards a more detailed study to, as I said, to incorporate our technology our business plan into the community with, with all this going on and it's obviously very exciting um, um for your shareholders there is of course still the original the original gold mine as well um which which was the original uh, minova corp can you can you give us a sort of overview of of that project as well because obviously that's that's still a, a viable mining project at the same time no it's a, it's, a, it's a great little project um, it will not be left behind uh, so obviously last year we had a terrific year uh, we were drilling on the project in january february took a break for breakup uh, we went back in april may uh, all those results were put into the market very good results uh, in, in all of the drilling that we've done quite frankly in the last uh, two years three years has all been outside of the resource. So for six or seven years, we focused on infill drilling, de-risking, and upgrading to the point where we produced a positive feasibility study. After that, it was like, okay, the market wants to, you know, uh, 50,000 ounces a year is is interesting, but uh, the market really wants more than that. You know, 600, 700,000 ounces of a resource base is interesting, but the market is seeking higher, like they're seeking that 1 million ounce or higher resource base. So we've obviously got a very attractive small-scale mine startup opportunity, near-term cash flow, very robust project from a from an ROI point of view. At, at these prices, the return on investment is you know almost 200%. I put out lots of information on this in terms of the sensitivity around the the PL mine at these prices. The project is you know well well north of 150 million dollars Canadian. So it's a very robust project. And we've demonstrated that not only is there a core uh, a core development thesis there, but I think we've also just identified and, and confirmed the exploration potential, the resource expansion potential, the reserve expansion potential. And that all culminated with one of the best intercepts on the property, certainly in my 10 years, but even if I look back through the old database, where 
the biggest step out hold in the history of the project, 300 plus meters outside of the existing resource, uh, well down dip of the drilling that we were doing earlier uh, in the year last year, uh, you know, over 100 grams over half a meter, which is a very typical uh, intercept for the high grade portion of the deposit. Again, it's a narrow vein, high grade deposit, so multi ounce over narrow widths. Um, and that really, to me, it just demonstrated, okay, this project is just going to keep on going. Uh, unfortunately, the market just was not cooperating uh, last year for this for many of the smaller uh, smaller scale uh, gold development projects. So I held off on uh, on financing. We'll tackle that again this year. So one of the aspects of what I'm trying to do as Minova Renewable Energy subsidiary company uh, starts to take on a, literally a life of its own is to hire. Uh, a new experienced uh, mine development team to assume the reins of PL and steward it through the you know the next round of drilling or the next round of internal mine development plans uh, as the case may be and all and all of these things so you know we're keen to keep pushing PL ahead but the other thing that I wanted to do for Minova shareholders is really you know expose us to more opportunities so that's what Minova renewable energy is gold price uh, is I, I would hope that um, considering the global macro environment obviously there's some political tensions <laughs> to say the least uh, in the world I would hope that uh, gold price would uh, do what, what many of us gold investors gold bugs uh, hope, which is a higher price, and then we offer you know investors a terrific, uh, terrific exposure to a near-term gold producer with uh, I think pretty exceptional uh, exploration and development upside in a good jurisdiction. So we're preparing the company to go down both paths, managed well on both um, initiatives: gold mine development and renewable energy to hydrogen, green hydrogen production, uh, and. Uh, you know, hopefully over the next six months, we'll we'll see both of those initiatives advance, you know, considerably. That brings me to my my final question, which is, how do you envisage this going forward? Because you've got two quite different but quite interesting projects. Um, there's obviously some synergy between them, but I can see how um, Minova Renewable Energy could become you know, its own beast. How how do you foresee carrying on going forward when investors are looking at it going, well, is, is this a gold mine or is this a is this now a clean energy play in Manitoba? Yeah, yeah, no, fair fair point. And again, it's really about structure and timing. Uh, and create and surfacing value for uh, for Minova shareholders. So I I would envision three possible outcomes for Minova. One is obvious sector M and A, right? So the basic business plan of the majority of of junior gold exploration and development companies is to do what we've been doing, uh, demonstrate the viability, the feasibility, and the the, the upside potential of their of their mine development project, and then okay. uh, a, a bigger company takes them over. That's you know standard M and A in the in the mining sector. So we've got several NDAs out there. There are companies looking at the project. There has always been companies looking at the project over the years. You know if it fits if it fits their their scale and their abilities and experience, then you know we move forward. One of the challenges with M and A for Minova is 
our market cap never has reflected the valuation of the project, right? Uh, you know, as I said, the from a feasibility study with permits in place, uh, and we're getting a five, six million dollar market cap that, that just doesn't compute in, in terms of transacting from an M and A point of view. Initially, now there, if we can structure something properly uh, and extract uh, as much value as possible from a Nova shareholder, then we can look at that. The other scenario is where we determine the time to split the company as management board and, and major shareholders. So if gold price continues to march up here uh, and the market is starting to seek these these businesses, then we can split the company. And again, I'm seeking a uh, a management team for PL Mind that can actually take it into the public realm, but it'll be under our control with our structure, again, to the benefit of Minova shareholders. And the third scenario is we just keep chipping away at it while we advance the uh, Minova renewable energy business. And in two years time, we can advance it, you know, in-house, go it alone, so to speak. Uh, so we're trying to manage all of those things. Some are, some are, they're all going to be uh, dictated by the ability to surface uh, as much value for a Minova shareholder as possible in the context in the context of the market. So again, I, I, I think we're on the right path in terms of creating option value for uh, for Minova shareholders and certainly being exposed to the two which i have always felt very very attracted to the gold market for obvious reasons in, in these in these times uh but also on the on the green energy side so we're working as hard as we can to to sort of surface value on both businesses thank you very much indeed for coming on the podcast but we'll um obviously be paying very close attention to how you how you progress things with Manova over the course of the year uh, thanks very much pleasure to talk to you and keep you updated on on how we're going so as i said uh, to you and and your subscribers uh we should be pretty busy the next two months on both sides of the business uh and uh, we'll look forward to keeping you updated You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.